Hello builders. Welcome to the Builders Club Startup Founders podcast. A podcast for founders to upskill themselves and understand the founder mindset. Every week, we sit with the best minds in the startup ecosystem and understand what it takes to start, run and scale businesses. This podcast is from one of our recordings of our water cooler conversations. A weekly community AMA where we get established entrepreneurs to discuss their strategies and their mindset in front of our community members. So sit back, relax and let's start with the episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Builders Club. What you are going to hear is the first water cooler conversation podcast that we recorded uh, last Saturday. The Builders Club is an active community of startup founders and enthusiasts who help each other build great products and businesses. As a part of the community initiative, um, we gather every Saturday on a water cooler conversation on our Discord on which we discuss topics of different domains and industries. This week, we had Ayush Agarwal, CEO, Code Foxy, come and discuss about the edtech industry, the key trends, and what the ecosystem will look like after the pandemic is over. So, yeah, uh, first of all, uh, thanks a lot, everyone, to join in. Uh, today, with us, uh, he's a good friend of mine. Um, is also the CEO of Portbox. It's an edtech start- startup in Pune, uh, and they basically teach uh, kids how to code. So first of all, welcome to the Builders Club, man. Uh, thanks a lot for for making time out. Uh, so you know, I just introduce you uh, for for the for the group here. So Ayush uh, is Ayush is basically uh, an IIM Lucknow alumnus. He was also the uh, the co-founder and CEO of uh, Seniority, uh, which is a health and elder care la- lifestyle brand, and probably you know Ayush can also dwell down into the deep into into his own learnings in those that, that industry. He very recently started this uh, his second startup now, uh, which is called Code Foxy. It's uh, it's a uh, it's an ad tech startup uh, based out of Pune, uh, which teaches kids how to code and. Uh, he basically, you know, I, th- I thought that you know, today in the water cooler conversation where we, where we are discussing EdTech, it makes sense for us to actually get somebody from the industry who can throw light about what's going on in the space right now uh, and, and, and uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about what we people can expect about the way the industry is growing and now that, you know, once the pandemic is gone, how the space will look like. So welcome, Ayush. Uh, Thanks a lot, Sohil, for inviting me and great to see your community nicely thriving. Quite a few attendees tonight. That's great. Uh, Just to take the introduction a little bit forward. uh, So, guys, Sohil and I, like he said, were batchmates in college. We reconnected uh, more recently when he was the founder of Evercare. We were sort of in the same space uh, in senior care. My wife, of course, knows Sohil as the creepy guy in the background of the first Curly Appa video. Uh, so that will always be his claim to fame. Nothing like we will make sure he never lives that one down. 
that was a long time back <laughs> i you don't have to bring that up now yeah no but but we will never let you live that one down so hell so yeah so yeah. so thanks thanks uh, thanks a lot for inviting me uh, guys the way we'll do this because i i don't claim to know because i'm i'm sort of very new in this uh, edtech space myself we started this company around 3 months ago so i don't claim to know anything much about this space other than the fact that i've been sort of devoting a lot of time thinking about it for the last few months so i i will not claim to be an expert what i would love uh in this discussion is actually for you guys also to be very interactive interrupt me while i'm speaking nothing's off the table question my assumptions uh you know just sort of uh, all sorts of cross talk should be allowed like the name says that is a water cooler conversation after all so let's let's do it that way i think that will be a lot more enriching uh for everyone involved yeah that's um, that that sounds cool Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. let me just sort of to kick things off. Uh, so I'll I'll just sort of give a quick introduction about Code Foxy. Uh, the how, what it does, how we started, and why we started, and we'll just sort of maybe take the thread from there. So, uh, Code Foxy guys is a is a uh, is a platform to teach preteens the basics of computational thinking and algorithmic problem solving. Uh, and of course, the easiest way to do that is through coding. uh but we don't claim to teach kids how to code right we sort of we our 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 aim is to go beyond just coding and actually develop uh logical reasoning and algorithmic problem solving skills in kids coding be the being the way to do it so unlike a lot of other teach your kids how to code companies we don't give you know web development certificates or app development certificates or any of that stuff uh all of that is a by product of the broader aim of building that kind of uh, critical thinking skills uh in uh, preteen kids uh so the the reason why we are doing this is uh, fairly sort of uh, uh, simple so it's uh, actually so it's it's not just me so we are three co-founders in this company uh one of them is my wife uh the second one is my batchmate one of my best friends from my engineering days uh who's currently based in sydney who's a techie so all three of us come from very different backgrounds so vivek uh, who's in sydney is a hardcore techie uh was a medalist in pune university during our time there and then sort of made his uh, climbed up the career ladder in tech uh my wife is a tis graduate has worked extensively with preteens and life skills education etc uh you know and and i am sort of more of a typical mba uh, startup founder generalist sort of a guy uh, so all three of us with, with very sort of different backgrounds and different journeys but uh, with a very core fundamental philosophy of realizing that the trajectory of a child is decided very drastically during their preteen years right so if you give them the right experiences during that time if you teach them the right things during that time it really impacts uh, their lives disproportionately going forward right and uh, and unfortunately in india uh, preteen kids in school or otherwise are not really uh, uh, sort of taught the relevant skills i would say i mean education in india is is a lot about very uh, short term goals you know marks in school uh, certificates a, a web developer certificate at the end of eight classes 
uh, with the red tech guys or you know a wolf gupta getting a 1.2 million dollar salary from google at the age of 13 you know those those kind of short term thoughts uh, sort of propagated from the generations above really need to change and that's that's why we uh, we started this uh, and then that, that was uh, our core uh, philosophy as we've launched this Okay, and and how's it how's it been? Uh, how long has it been, and how has their response been? Uh, so we we started this uh, uh, around three months ago. We first started thinking about it uh, around four or five months ago. Narrowed it down to this. I mean, uh, that that's also a very interesting uh, sort of journey that we undertook for that one month or so when we were discussing various different fields. So we launched three months ago. Uh, you know uh, our first cohort uh, kicked off in november uh, so the way we do this by the way huh, i should have clarified this the way we do this is not through uh, simple one on one teaching to kids uh, we we are actually creating batches of children of uh, classes of 3 to 5 students each uh, because another thing and this is uh, this comes from the research uh, uh, that my wife has sort of uh, uh gone through and sort of done on her own is about how kids learn a lot more uh in mm-hmm. in groups rather than as one on one kids uh, yeah. so therefore we actually started it as uh, as batches of 3 to 5 students launched the first cohort in november the second cohort in december currently mm-hmm. we have uh, 16 paying children uh, oh, okay. 16 paying customers uh, in total we've accrued around a lakh or so in terms of revenue uh, still oh, okay. very early days for us of course but uh, a good a good start i would say yeah 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 so that's that's pretty interesting you know because we see we have we are seeing so many different kinds of companies which are opening up in the tech space and uh, uh, you know everybody is trying to have a different value proposition at this point in time I mean, how much more can you, uh, you know, differentiate yourself in in teaching case? I mean, would you want to talk about the space in general and the kind of companies which are coming in and the way they are trying to differentiate in this now a little bit uh, crowded space, so to speak? Because it's like a gold rush right now, right? In attack. No, absolutely. I mean, the gold rush is actually a very good uh, analogy that you give because that's something that uh, my co-founders and I also discussed. But uh, to I, I would not think that the space is crowded yet. You know, the space is seeing a lot of interest, but I wouldn't call it crowded. You know, I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, and and it's simply because there are so many things that are not being done yet. Things that you know, when we were discussing uh, ideas yeah. that we want to do, we broke things down to sort of in in, very, in a very first principles uh, manner. So. so i'll i'll be very honest right because this is a very frank and informal conversation i i was never a very studious child studying never really interested me so you know companies like byju's or vedantu never really got my respect right because they they are sort of just digital digitizing tuitions in my opinion mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. so when we started first started ideating around what can be done in this space we were actually very interested about two things one is phenomenon based learning uh mm-hmm. and the other is mathematics right which is i mean just random sort of uh, uh thoughts around it uh, phenomenon based learning uh, sort of was a uh, very interesting aspect from uh, something that uh, vivek brought to the fore so vivek like i said is a hardcore hardcore techie 
but interestingly enough for the last 2 years he had actually left his job as a techie to prepare for the upsc right very weird for a guy based out of sydney had a permanent residency there was on track to become a citizen decides to sort of say that hey all that's fine i can become an australian citizen anytime i want to but i want to be a uh, civil service, civil servant right and actually sort of do things for the uh, fine we'll digress but uh, but the point is that during this prep as he studied you know a, a lot of the humanities uh, you know history sociology geography etc he realized that kids in india are being deprived of so much richness and context of life around simply because they're being taught these subjects in such a boring and dry manner right uh, and sort of similar thoughts around uh, uh, mathematics as well again it's, it's something very important and then we started thinking even more right what what else helped us as kids right that when we were of that age what were we doing that enabled us to get to a stage where we are today right granted we had better starts than most people but that aside what 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 helped right so reading was a good one reading the reading has a good correlation between uh, sort of being able to be flexible in later life and see opportunities chess coding sports uh, you know a lot of other hobbies or generic hobbies you know philately or uh, you know coin collecting stamp collecting whatever right uh, and and things that we think could have been there during that time but what you know something like say personal finance or you know a basic understanding of laws of india you know beyond what is as, as part of uh, civics you know and interestingly enough when you break it down into first principles like this what you see is some very interesting startups cropping up around all of these spaces right so when we said okay fine this is something that was great for us as kids is someone doing this and we like so for example chess and vedantu had sort of i think a month or so before that apparently launched a chess program with uh, i think anand as their uh, chief mentor and a bunch of other gms that they've gotten on board right coding of course was a big thing so this was before white hat juniors acquisition by byju's uh, but coding was sort of really coming up uh a lot of startups sort of talking about making kids better speakers making kids better readers uh teaching kids personal friendly like hey, this is great and we found a lot of funny ones as well uh, so there was this one that we found called uh, chota einstein which is apparently targeted at kids between the ages of 1 and 3 are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> so that we thought was a little funny but apparently it's more towards the parents and what the parents should do at that age Okay. Uh, than the kids themselves, but still. And then there was another one which was an MBA for eight-year-olds, right? And again, I I found this hilarious because so well, I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, an MBA as a degree is generally fairly useless, uh, <laughs> even for a twenty-something. So I mean, I'm sure doubly useless for an eight-year-old, right? Yeah. But uh, but no, but but I really think there's a there's a lot that still can be done, you know, in the space. Mm. And edtech, by the way, edtech is not just about kids. right because we we don't want to restrict our thinking to that uh you know i i genuinely believe there is a massive disruption overdue in adult learning as well right so, uh, you know because so i i like learning as a person yeah, yeah, yeah. right i i like to learn but i i i absolutely despise you know coursera 
and khan academy and and all of these other sort of very uh, static learning media they they're good as when yeah. there's no alternative yeah. Uh, yeah but i'm sure there's no problem i mean wh- what are the completion rates for coursera i am I, i haven't looked it up but i'm sure it's less than 10% yeah. there are maybe it's... 10% here how many of us have completed what do they do they even share that information they probably keep that highly proprietary <laughs> probably probably right? but but why is that it's like going it's like going to the gym right you know everybody pays but nobody goes right <laughs> correct and and this is a lovely example that you give because uh, i don't know if you've heard of this company called fitter f i t t r a massively growing fitness community and they've actually cracked it they've actually cracked adult fitness gyms were taking in raking in all the money all these years because people wanted to be fit but gyms weren't really solving the problem right fitter yeah. as a community it was called squats earlier fitter yeah. as a community has really solved it and they are growing like 10x 20x year on year yeah yeah jitendra choksi the founder i mean brilliant fantastic guy completely driven well i think one of the things about about the uh the educational startups is a lot of that is corporate subscriptions where the large fortune 500s will just buy a block of time tell everyone to go use it so they're reporting revenue but they're not reporting usage and engagement which is of course far more important agreed agreed so i guess it's all about tracking the right metrics and if you really want to solve a problem then i guess instead of uh, tracking the metrics which the investors are interested in you'd rather focus on the ones which actually try to solve the problem in the first place yeah and and i don't know what the solution is but clearly i mean we agree that it is a problem i mean these these things are not being completed people want to learn but the solutions that they're turning to are clearly sort of suboptimal so and and like uh, reachable ceo pointed out people yeah. are paying it fortune 500 yeah. companies paying by the millions every year uh, yeah. to upskill their uh, their employees uh, and yeah. these companies are falling short agreed so the problem had always been had always been that but you know and of course you know the covid 19 thing kind of accelerated the progress in this domain what now now that you know slowly people are you know big, becoming used to this thing and you know as this pandemic will pass on in the next 6 to 12 months or 18 months what do you see this space to be looking like i mean what do you see in the next 2 3 years where do you think this will go usually in any industry whenever you know uh, in the nascent stages there are so many different companies which uh crop up but then there is a consolidation and then eventually two to three companies are the one question man what do you think is going to happen with with the edtech industry uh i would say i mean it is a universal law almost at this point the consolidation that you spoken of but which are the ones that will survive and which are the ones that won't i think a lot of companies right now are making hay while the sun shines As, as people are locked down and you know there's nothing else to do and therefore there are a lot of companies that are getting that share of wallet simply by being in the right place at the right time uh but i i genuinely believe that companies will have to prepare for a post pandemic world starting today 
in order to be sort of relevant in that time right so with kids for example right now a lot of parents are just sort of throwing money at whichever company comes up uh, and sort of saying that uh, you know fine you take my kid off my hands for an hour i'm more than happy to pay you whatever you ask right that gets me sort of that gets leaves me to be more productive during that hour but anyway i'm i'm sort of my kid 24 hours a day that's fine take a, take that one up please right but once kids start going back to school and once the adults are going back to office the number time slot available for a kid for an edtech company from a kid reduces drastically right so are you adding enough value then i is your solution relevant yeah. beyond just being an r that the parent is free for is your solution really relevant with a longer term perspective that the parent will want to go right now for example if a kid has say 10 or 12 such slots available in a week yeah my guess is that the the, the number of free slots goes down to maybe one or two max right so yeah. to be one of 10 companies is easy right to be one of two will be far more difficult right and therefore you need to be very clear in terms of what your value prop is Mm-hmm. And are you mm-hmm. sort of still uh, can will you still continue to be relevant in that mm-hmm. post pandemic world when people are out and about right for those uh, the the other thing i would say which will become truer in the post pandemic world uh, which has become very which which became sort of very clear during the pandemic is that humans it is important for humans to connect you know that that fostering a sense of belonging mm. is, is a is a fundamental truth of humanity mm-hmm. right so if your startup is dependent on being remote right and and doesn't have the flexibility of adopting to a world wherein people can meet up again or rather i would say if if you are too dependent on being remote and can't take an advantage of people being able to meet up uh, you might you might lose out on the guys uh, who are able to take an advantage of that fact that once people start meeting up can you yeah. sort of foster a community uh, and yeah. sort of therefore possibly develop long term loyalty with mm-hmm. your customers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 i'm sure and the thing is i don't mean this from a purely commercial perspective because learning outcomes will also be better when people are more engaged with each other and 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 the course and the company right so this is not just from a very selfish company perspective but even for your customers even for your learners uh, it will probably lead to better learning outcomes yeah so uh, usually in the edtech space i mean there is there is a teacher and there is a learner and then there are the medium through which they do the you know the the impartment the imparting of knowledge um and uh, currently a lot uh, the quality of the education which is imparted is a lot uh, a lot dependent on the quality of the teachers who are imparting the knowledge also which is primarily the reason why as you scale up in especially a model like this there are issues in managing quality uh 
and uh, you know usually the if you if you are an organization in the education space you kind of plateau after a certain point in time in terms of you know scale and quality so you know what do you think uh, is you know of course you know even with technology thrown in um, there is still a dependency on the number of teachers or the mapping between the teachers and the student kind of ratio why do you think and how do you think technology can help solve this issue in some form or the other i mean of course you must have also thought about this because you're also running uh, you know uh, an industry uh, a company in, in in the same space what are your thoughts on that yeah no no uh, honestly frankly i'll just sort of uh, lead with just saying that we don't have an answer to that question yet it is this is another major problem and i have a feeling that uh, the company that can solve for this is the company that will win honestly it doesn't even matter how much money you have today uh because you are absolutely right you see this time and again in this space which is that companies which have been able to completely make themselves teacher agnostic have had to sacrifice quality in a big way right and we know all the examples uh, around it right we've seen those videos of teachers claiming that java is programmed through c++ and crap like that right that, that that's a very natural outcome of uh, trying to get scale while sacrificing quality right we as a company are currently on the other end of the spectrum uh, our classes are currently all taken by vivek right who is a hard tech guy but we recognize that that is not a scalable strategy vivek only has a certain number of slots that he can devote to teaching uh, and people of vivek's caliber available to teach 9 to 12 year olds are extremely few and far between right so that, that sort of model will probably not scale what we are trying to do is create a platform that can be teacher independent right uh, wherein uh, instead of it being a teacher teaching the student can it be sort of done in a a bit more at scale manner it's, it's still sort of fairly fuzzy in our head we have a few experiments that we want to uh, run over the course of the next few months uh, once that happens i'll i'll report back to you guys with the, how it goes uh, but but we want to but but that is a big I, that, that is the single biggest problem that we are trying to solve right now that how do we make it uh, independent of teachers without sacrificing quality because that that, that is the only way you can achieve scale if you can't do that then this will end up being a hobby you know it it, it won't uh, it won't be a scalable startup mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, it's the same problem faced by you know consulting firms or anything that requires you know human labor high touch human labor to scale is setting up a vetting and an on-take process for human talent that scales correct yeah that, that's exactly what and and post pandemic post pandemic even getting this human talent will become more difficult yeah. right because right now a lot of these companies are able to take advantage of the fact that people are at home and bored and are looking mm. to sort of earn some money here and there or maybe they have uh, a lot of hours free because their office only takes up 4 hours a day and therefore they have 6 hours left uh, so a lot of those kind of folks are getting into these uh, part time jobs with the uh, 
a lot of these edtech firms as instructors or tutors mm-hmm. but that will also go away once the pandemic is gone because even if you have 4 hours of work you're expected to spend 10 hours 8 hours in office you can't do that in office right you can't be a tutor while in office so that that's the other thing that will happen both from uh, the number of tutors available as well as the number of slots ava- available from a student both of those i see going drastically down once people are out and about again so it it is it is the number one problem i think that the so I, so so you're saying the core problem is you think your talent availability will trend down as the pandemic trends down uh i i think not for us specifically because like i said we don't we we don't intend to go down that path in a big way anyway but for a lot sure. of the guys that have scaled up with that model i think they will face that issue yeah i mean i think i think the other side of that is that demand may go down right you, to the point about people being bored and stuff they may be consuming more high touch content from coursera or your platform or whatever But I think that we're going to see a more permanent shift. I mean, here in the United States, you have many, many large companies shutting down their headquarters, terminating their leases. I think the the shift to remote is much more long term and permanent than a lot of people think. I I don't know about India, but certainly United States. No, that's true. That's true. That that is a that is a, a fairly sort of that that is clear even in India. Honestly, there is a there is a big shift to remote. Uh. I think you're getting more productivity in less time and then that does free up people to pursue optional pursuits. Yeah, so so I guess I guess what I was trying to say is that the demand might be uh, might definitely be uh, at a spike level but the supply will uh, be an issue. The supply of good quality uh, teachers is 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 that what I wish that you would kind of say? I I I genuinely think that uh, my hunch is that there will be an issue on both sides because kids will have fewer slots to give right uh, okay. uh, the number of tutors available will go down because they're possibly uh, having to go back to office the other thing that will happen the other reason why tutors might go down is right now for example uh, say if a company w gives its tutors 250 rupees per slot 250 rupees per session that they have with the kid right mm-hmm. uh, which uh, translates to a decent wage if you are able to do uh, around say 150 to 200 sessions a month right the problem is once kids start going back to school you don't have 150 to 200 uh, uh, sessions anymore you'll you'll only be probably be able to do only 50 to 60 sessions uh, a month right but it's only those many slots available in a day in a week and therefore only so many kids that you can fit in with 50 to 60 slots available how much are you earning so then you're not earning a livable wage anymore you're only earning a part time sort of maybe a addition then are as many people still interested for for you know for pocket change or for a for what can be termed allowance money rather than a salary right it's a, it, it is it is it has the potential of being a downward spiral the way the last 6 months we've seen an upward spiral mm-hmm. uh, with talent supply demand everything going up at the same mm-hmm. time i have a feeling that there is a chance there could be mm-hmm. a downward for the same reasons as you sort of uh, the same sort of vicious cycle feeding into the next step so i guess uh 
you know either you keep the teachers full time on the platform as in uh, you hire them or then you move towards a marketplace model which is basically people making allowance money as and when they have time yeah so current the current uh, systems are all marketplace yeah and what are your yeah for, for what are your thoughts about that about the whole marketplace model no like i said no, the, the marketplace model unfortunately in india yeah. uh, in my opinion a marketplace model leads to a drastic reduction in quality i i think with the with the exception of urban company mm. uh, which is a marketplace model with and uh, sohel you know this you yeah, tried yeah, yeah. you tried sort of uh, running a marketplace yeah, yeah. sort of yeah. supply you and yeah. you know the kind of issues that uh, uh, india faces with sort of yeah. general sort of a lack of professionalism yeah uh, with a lot of people right and it's it's the same issue even with amazon you know mm. so it, most people in india will not buy an amazon product unless it is fulfilled by amazon right mm. you go through it and even today sort of just circumventing the relevant laws amazon like 70% of amazon's revenues come from products that are fulfilled by amazon literally bought by amazon through sort of uh, uh, companies that are shell companies owned by them that's what mm. is driving amazon's uh, goodwill in india if if amazon was actually a true marketplace in india they mm. would not be doing well because there mm. would be enough people who would be sort of uh, just letting go of quality to make a quick buck mm. that's what happened with snapdeal that's, that's the reality of uh, a marketplace model in india today yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the only exception i know of is urban, is urban company and uh, i really don't know how they have managed it but they have managed it phenomenally well Mm-hmm. a marketplace of uh, sort of manpower where they have managed to maintain quality time and again uh, while sort of keeping their uh, the, both the contractors happy as well as the customers happy mm-hmm. but that's the only one i can think of that i know of interesting 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 wow yeah, so yeah. i guess uh, it's been a very very enriching conversation uh, so far um so uh, i think now we'll also open the floor up slowly as in if anybody has anything to contribute to the topic as well as any direct questions to ayush about his company how things are working and in general so that's that we can open it up so you know anyone wants to take a lead or uh, or we can probably continue yeah so uh, it's nice to see ayush working something like uh, other than technology and focusing more on learning part so ayush uh, what do you think about uh, the things like what happened recently in india like about the aggressive marketing uh, campaigns done by white hat junior has impacted uh, more or less to the customers in the same field like it might have created a like a false uh, uh, belief in the uh, same customers of the attic like believing in like if you have send it if you have spending something on uh, white hat junior you will get something and that so how this is going to be affecting the other uh, new startups coming in the field like as you you have just uh, you have said like you are focusing more on learning so how is uh, this going to be affecting to the other uh, uh, my, uh, other companies in the same same place uh so you know kamal good question and this is this is something that we do get asked a lot by visual around my 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 fundamental i have i have a fairly strong belief 
in the free market figuring out its winners and losers over time and not letting up drive too much you know the opinion one company driving the outcome for another right if anything for us so far uh, the aggressive marketing done by some of these other companies has actually worked in our favor right the 16 customers that we have gotten are all customers who have tried out uh these other guys and taken their trial classes and possibly put off by the kind of uh, marketing put off by the kind of quality and they've gone ahead with us and are happy with us thus far at least that's what so in my opinion uh a lot of the people who are there are two kinds of anger directed at the space in general as a result of this right one is about aggressive marketing and false advertising right to say that a senior old gets a 1 million dollar a year job at google as a result of courses is lies it doesn't help anyone but it reflects badly on the on the company doing such advertising right that's that's part kind of criticism that is completely valid and i think every single edtech company not just in india but across the globe should be wary of following in those footsteps right completely wrong immoral unjustified inexcusable right that's one kind of criticism the other kind of criticism redirected directed towards companies which affect the larger ecosystem is to say that edtech companies in general are useless that no one have to pay for an education when this is all available on a code.org or a khan academy for free right especially even for kids so all of these places have uh, uh, the relevant coursework available even for kids right code.org is a very well used known uh, tool especially in the us by teachers there right to that my response is always that even ncert books are available online for free right but you still do go to school you still do need a teacher right that that mentor guide teacher figure is still important especially for a preteen if a parent can play that role great a code.org or a khan academy might just do it for you right especially if you do have that kind of uh, knowledge in depth knowledge about the concepts being taught right if you don't it does make sense to shell out some money because this is an important skill to gather and unfortunately in india kids aren't being taught that skill in on any other platform not in their school not by their peers uh, and not by any of their other uh, tuitions or whatever else they may be attending so there my my submission is that it is okay to pay uh, but don't pay with the expectation of your kid getting a 1 million dollar job at google at the age of 13 pay with the expectation that this will help your kid in the long run over the course of the next 20 30 40 years of their lives uh, not with the uh, with the short term expectation of a, a million dollar job at google at the age of 13 that that is something that parents in india generally struggle with but we hope that 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 changes at least when our generation becomes parents yeah 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 so uh, one more point which i wanted to uh, talk about was which i guess reachable ceo um was also talking about is how much of the changes which you're seeing in the edtech industry are going to be permanent uh you know because schools are still going to be there right but do you think the tuitions are going to become online as is that the direction that the overall user or consumer behavior is moving towards 
I think what will happen is a lot of the offline educational media, you know, and and this includes schools and tuitions, will start utilizing online more and more. So you might not. So they they will be forced to adapt. Is my my thought right? Because uh, you know there there is a good chance that we might not be comfortable with. a 200 300 student session in an auditorium anytime soon you know like when for example i was preparing for cat in 2010 i remember going for the weekly sessions with time uh, which was an auditorium packed to the rafters right with sort of 500 600 people sitting in a 200 300 seater auditorium right to have the discussion of their uh, mock cats or whatever that 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 i that will probably not come back for another year maybe even longer right so during that time so even if you are able to restart classes these larger gatherings and all will still need to be done online so there might be a good bullish case for companies that can help these schools and these institutes come online faster right because i doubt a time will be able to build its own tech stack to take itself online right so that i think is a good uh, bullish case for even for the long run and and once they're able and once they're able to uh, i'm sorry i just remembered there's another good thing for them if they are able to do that is that time then or any other institute or fidgi or whatever else then is not dependent on its center uh, to get a student right so then a fidgi doesn't need a center in, uh, every 3 or 4 kilometers in a city right then fidgi maybe needs one teacher uh, one teacher was able to teach 50 students so far that teacher can It is five hundred or five thousand at a time, right? So even for them, the bullish case of the adoption that is happening at the consumer end—that's the biggest thing, right? For an Uber or a Swiggy or anyone else, the most amount of money spent was in changing consumer habit. The pandemic has forced a change in consumer habit. It has forced people to be okay with learning online. and once you be able to do that for that kid in say purkazi who doesn't didn't have an access to a fidgi so far if that can if that kid can be given access to a fidgi teacher does that mean that we or it top from tier 3 tier 4 and rural parts of india probably that 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 going, that is going to be a major shift that is not going to get reversed even post pandemic Mm-hmm. but that's what an academy is doing no so that's the reason why academies because they have targeted the right segment which basically requires so there's a right product market fit like that correct 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 and and uh, and relevant cons khan sir i don't know if you've heard of him he's a very pop- he's very popular amongst uh, upsc aspirants uh, he's a he's a teacher from patna right when he speaks he has a very thick sort of strong bihari accent Many teachers, but he's also a very frank guy. Like typically, like a Bihari teacher might be, if people here might relate. Uh, that guy has forty-five lakh of forty-five million, one of the two possibly. But you get the point. Subscribers on his YouTube channel today. He started it some three or four years ago, and he's seen tremendous growth in the last one year. Precisely because. Right, because good quality content delivered in a relevant manner. uh is something that people are now able to consume people 
India has 600 million smartphones. Thanks to uh, Mukesh Bhai, all of us also now have high-speed internet at a very low cost, the lowest cost in the world. This is to cause an immense upliftment in sort of uh, in in both edtech and in the end users' lives in the coming decade. That is that is the single biggest change that is that we are going to see as a country. Democratization of learning. Yeah, yeah, and I think that has already started. That had already started with YouTube. And Geo just accelerated it now with the edtech platforms, and we just, you know, I guess the whole Bharat uh, audience is something which is still, uh, you know, waiting to be tapped into. Correct, 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 correct. That that that's that's a big focus for us as well because we we think that that is something that uh, you know for them, uh, their aspirations are very different. From from India's aspirations, right? Yeah, no. So what I'm saying is, their aspirations are very different. Uh, so can can companies actually tap into those aspirations as well? That, that that's that's the other uh, major hurdle that most tech companies in India need to uh, figure out how to cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anybody else has any any questions uh, or any any points to add on to this? Uh, Reachable CEO, can you just uh, you know if you can uh, tell us about what's happening in the US in the edtech space because I guess you know all of us uh, have more uh, you know foresight into the Indian ecosystem, but globally, uh, you know what 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 trends uh, are you able to able to foresee? Any any pointers on that? Yeah, I mean, what I've seen over the past year is quite a bit of of large companies purchasing from Coursera, Udemy, things like that, and are basically begging their employees to take it. Uh, and some of them have started to tie bonuses and things to it, uh, putting some real commitment behind the, um, you know, employee development uh, uh, as a strategic objective. But you know, it's very difficult to get that uptake, at least pre-pandemic. I think post-pandemic, maybe there's some more of that if you do have more flexibility. So um, like I said, I just think that in the U.S. at least, a lot of folks will remain remote, um, especially due to the amount of moving out of Silicon Valley and things like that. You know, It's going to be very difficult to get those people to move back just to come to the office. So, um, and, uh, and then, you know, someone mentioned YouTube. And I think that that was another thing I was going to mention is, yeah, there's so much content out there i don't know if you guys are familiar with um with sailor which is a, a open source uh very low cost um you can get a, a cs degree or, or an mba that's that's pr pretty big here in, in the u.s at least um tied in with uh, existing um like certification so basically you could you could go through the courses on your own self-directed and then you could take a test at a testing facility. I don't know how that's working in, in COVID. I mean, I'm sure they've adapted for it, you know, maybe less, uh, you know, more sessions with less people or something, social distancing. But yeah, I, I think that's the big thing you have to think about is what's the goal? Is it to get people a degree, which is big in the U.S.? You know, the U.S. is very, very big on that. I don't know about the rest of the world. But because of that, you, you know, you still need to... Um, go through a particularly structured process 
Um, and as far as ed tech, I think we're seeing a lot of uh, that with the universities and things, you know, distance learning, open courseware. I mean, a lot of this stuff has been building for really the last five years, I think, in a big way. Um, iTunes University is, is big uh, in the U.S. I don't know about the rest of the world, but there's a lot of content on there. So a lot of the open courseware stuff ended up on iTunes University. And it's very accessible from, you know, any Apple device, right? It's, it's a separate app from the podcast app, but it's basically a set of, of curated uh, podcast material. But yeah, to your point about needing a teacher, I, I agree. I think a lot of this content needs uh, some accountability. It needs uh, classmates. It needs some some direction and some incentive setting. And I don't think we're getting that in the U.S. by just purchasing, you know, in blocks from Udemy and begging people to take it. But, so I think there will always be a need for direct ed tech to the end user where they're actually interested and they're willing to pay for it because the value is high. Um, and, and that's still a big gap. That's still a big gap. And we need millions of specialized workers, you know, doctors, lawyers, surgeons, pilots, let alone programmers and system administrators. Um, so that's that's a big gap that I think the U.S. is feeling in particular because we have, you know, we're way, way low in, in terms of education because of the cost of access. Um, so that's. I think the U.S. is a huge market for what you're doing, uh, and I don't think there's any, you know, with the Internet making everything location more or less irrelevant, uh, time zones being a, a small problem, but that's solvable. Um, I, th I think you're going to find a big expansion in the U.S. over the next few years. Uh, Saurabh, you had a point. Yeah, hi. Uh, hi, everyone. It's an amazing discussion. I'm joining for the first time. Um, just one thing which I, so I also am kind of working on an edtech idea, but it's not pure, pure education. I am working more on the side of uh, people and kids able to explore their hobbies and interests and other things in life apart from profession and academic. Uh, one thing which I wanted to kind of have a view on is the device that you think people, again, as, as, it was earlier mentioned that India has 600 million uh, mobile users. Uh, so I think uh, the access to device is also an issue in a market like India. So a lot of people, because they are working home, they have their working laptops, office laptops, which kids can utilize right now. Once they are back in offices, those laptops, not every family has a laptop in India on which kids can uh, watch or learn or something do you think that device would be also a challenge because not every content is as much absorbable on a mobile device as it is on laptop device yeah especially if you had like a two screen desktop you know you could watch it on one yeah. notes on the other yeah, yeah, yeah mobile phone yeah. is a terrible consumption device for in-depth content yeah what do you think Ayush? but see the thing is so the numbers, what do the numbers say? The numbers say 85% of India's uh, tech digital consumption happens on mobile, right? There's another 13% on desktop and only 2 odd percent on tablet, right? That, that's what the numbers say. So while you're right, uh, learning, learning does not happen efficiently on a smartphone yet. 
but that is another excellent problem to solve for you know those are the kind of you know 100x problems that if can be solved uh, you have an unbeatable solution so right now we don't have it right now we are also dependent on our students having laptops or ipads to be able to effectively absorb all of our course material but th- but that is something that we do think very deeply about is can we can we offer the same quality of learning on a smartphone if we can do that and if you can do that uh nothing like so it. what about through like um like chromecast to their tv you know roku something like that where you could <laughs> that that's the problem uh, the problem in india is these devices are not as widely available okay that's the thing it, 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 these are not like every household has a smartphone not every household has a spare laptop or a, or or even smart a smart tv or a, yeah. 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 So i'm curious when you, i'm curious when you buy a tv in the us it almost always is a smart tv lately like it's very yeah. hard to get one that doesn't have that in it anymore. Is that yeah. not the case in India? Not yet. Not yet. No, not yet. Not the, yet. The, the adoption Just... rate for smart TV is very, very low. It's still at the very nascent stages. We are yeah. still shifting to uh, smart, you know, to LED TVs what and flat-screen TVs. What about Roku or Chromecast? Again, again, it's it's. It's just it's just something which the uh, which the probably the sec A plus uh, audience knows and uses. So the so about a, the one percent, the one percent. Yeah, the one percent. I, okay. I bought a Fire TV but, for essentially five dollars, right? Which is a TV stick. Yeah, yeah. So people do use it, but it's still in the uh, in the urban classes in the in and the it would, and it would have have new, right from Amazon. And it would have a overlap with the people who would have a spare laptop, so it it won't Got matter. It. That's the other thing. It won't right? matter so, basically. So to compare, so smartphones are in fifty percent of India's hands. Fifty yeah. percent. That's a huge number. That's like twice the population of the US. Like six hundred million smartphones in India. Right, right, right. Smart TVs, my guess, would be probably around say ten million or so. Yeah. Literally the one. Yeah, and then how many people like know to use it? A gap where maybe the family yeah. could buy one device, like a television, and then everyone's smartphone compared to it, you know, to, to reduce costs. Something. Yeah, like but that. that's the thing. No, the, the smart TV itself is only in ten million households right now. That, that's and another issue with TVs in India is TV is still a family TV. It's not individual TV. So if 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 you are blocking the TV for one and a half hour, that basically your entire family and it's in the living room. It, it I don't think the kids taking session on a smart TV in the living room while everybody yeah. is getting blocked. That would be a mm. tough solution. In India, it's not a com- it's like a community television. It's not that every individual have yes. their own. It's television. not a solo consumption sure. device. So uh, guys, unlike unlike US or Western worlds, it it would be the it. So I'll just give you a little bit of an idea, uh, Charles. Right? Uh, I'm sorry, we it's, it's a little bit difficult calling you reachable CEO every time. <laughs> so, uh, no, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So, uh, Charles, basically, if you talk about the technological adoption in India, uh, just to give you a give you an idea, I guess a majority the the number of people having a smartphone. Uh, increased from probably let's say ten percent to forty-five to fifty percent in the last two years because of something known as geo 
in India. And that is uh, a smartphone is probably the most technologically advanced piece of device in 80% of Indian houses. So, so that's 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 where we are right now. We are fairly far behind uh, the technological curve right now in so terms of So it's a huge things. opportunity for for startups, for technology, for hardware. You know, it's a yeah, yeah. Right. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, I don't know if you guys might be interested in knowing what public school is like in uh, Silicon Valley. Oh, would love uh, to hear about that. So, I have a twelve-year-old, uh, sixth grade. Okay. And uh, she got a Chromebook assigned to her when she entered fifth grade uh, okay. to take home and use and bring back to school. And last year, when she was in fifth grade. You know, they used this uh, Chromebook quite a lot uh, at school. Uh, they were required to charge it overnight, bring it in charged in the morning, because as you might imagine, there's not enough outlets to charge everybody's Chromebook while at school. So like bring it charged from home, use it at school, there's Wi-Fi. Uh, when uh, COVID hit uh, and they closed the school down in March to, you know, in person, Everybody already had a Chromebook, and uh, classes continued on Zoom. Ah. And to this day, that's how classes are, because the school has not reopened physically. So for a brief amount of time, they opened up Hangouts so that people could actually communicate with each other, but they shut that down again. So, you know, there, it, is, it is rather a limited environment. Uh, I get an email from everything that uh, all the URLs that she goes to uh, every week, you know, to kind of like police. They, they kind of like outsourced uh, that to the parents. You know, yeah, know, know what sense. your child is doing on the Internet. And uh, yeah, I mean, Wednesdays is kind of a day where they do independent study and the uh, teachers have office hours so that the students can go talk to them. But uh, okay. it's an entirely remote thing. Um, she claims that all the kids of that age also have smartphones, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, or most of them at least. Um, okay. So. You know, it's it's kind of like a very. I mean, you know, I'm in Silicon Valley, so if this wasn't this way, it'd be surprising. Um, yeah. Although I have to say that until a couple of years ago, I couldn't get gigabit internet here. Oh really? Which was, yeah, th th this was just very recent. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Wow. Uh, um, what about what about the uh, uh, the the edtech startups which are targeting kids in uh, in the silicon valley in the valley i mean apart from the apart from the school uh, the, the the ones the technology which, which is being used in school what else is there in the, in the valley uh, there's like a russian math school uh, which has like there's a, a cumin and uh, but are those targeting I mean, kids specifically or are they more broad yeah. they're kids specific well I, I've never been to that Russian math school, so I don't really know exactly who they're targeting, but I mean, once you're on the internet, you, once, once you're on the internet, you just have so many resources, right? I mean, the stuff that's out in the physical world has become quite irrelevant during COVID. No, but my point is, is like, yeah, there's a lot of content, but unless someone curates it for you, I don't think it's a very good 
is, is so like going I, on YouTube and trying to find out to do something. Necessarily want to go do homework when everybody gets home after work, right? I mean, in in general, both parents work in yeah in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's usually not a stay-at-home parent in most families. Uh, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, it's you know, it, it's quite expensive to live here. <laughs> <laughs> but what about what about during the pandemic? Now these things would have definitely stopped. So uh, are the kids just doing the schools and the things which are happening on uh, on on the tablet, or anything else apart from that as well? Now how are they coping? I don't actually know. Um, we don't have any kind of supplemental like we as parents help her out if she gets stuck with her math or whatever. Like, like we don't. Uh, we 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 don't engage uh, like a third party. Uh, no, not but while 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 that public school was open, uh, there was an after school program in it, okay. where this would happen, and uh, that was basically provided by the public school. But not oh, yeah, like independent startups forming to fill the gap. It sounds like because I haven't heard of any. I imagine so, that so, you know. So I I think where there could be a. Uh, space is in helping the public school actually improve their uh, tech ed. Interesting. Because I, yeah, I don't that, think... Uh, was it the university, the Maryland system got hacked a couple weeks ago? You know, completely taken over? <laughs> There's a lot of... Uh, they need a lot of help, definitely. I have a, I have a question. Uh, what, what does a usable smartphone cost in India? Like, what's the lowest price that you can get something that's actually usable? Uh, $70, $72, $80. Yeah. So w when when you were talking about a cheap device, uh, Raspberry Pi, right? Like the lowest one is like five or six dollars. Really? Yeah. I don't okay. remember if that one has video output, but uh, look, you know, ras Raspberry Pi, I think, is like the device. It does. That... It has video output. The the Pi Zero, it does. No, no, no. Actually, you know that, that that's a very interesting point because that is uh, it is Raspberry Pi is actually in our radar to be. As a as a media for getting kids more interested into coding and sort of robotics and stuff like that, so it's 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 a very interesting mention or of Raspberry Pi because you're right, it is it is something that can uh, uh, further sort of uh, get kids in India interested in sort of being builders rather than just passive consumers of technology. Uh, yeah. and it's low cost. I'm I'm not sure how much it costs in India. We I haven't checked that. Uh, yeah. Probably no, but not. I, but, but in five dollars, are we talking about the hardware included? I mean, it's of course you know you get the. You get so the, you don't get a power supply. You don't get a monitor. You don't get a keyboard. You pretty yeah. much just get. You don't get a case, right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Pretty much just get a motherboard. Yeah. With a yeah. USB. Yeah. Correct. So that's so when you talk about a usable smartphone, you know we're talking about the ones which are sold in the in the retail stores, and that's India. Probably, you know, is not that uh, technologically advanced to put up, put a phone or assemble a phone together by themselves. Majority of them, of course, there are coders who do that. Uh, but, but you know, in the retail store, I guess you get something for some for around seventy, eighty dollars, not less than that. And I guess in 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 the US, probably the decent enough would. Uh, how much would that cost you in the retail? For a for a decent cell phone, uh, a decent smartphone, yeah, a cell phone. So With so it's output. it. 
the easy answer is free, but free is actually more expensive than if you pay for your phone. So if you get a free yeah. phone and you pay for your plan, you can get a very decent phone, uh, a usable phone, right? It's not going to be an iPhone for free, but uh, sometimes it is. Okay, so this but one is like included with the with the cell the phone. problem. The problem when you get a free phone is that usually you get a two-year plan that now you're committed to, and you might be paying, you know, forty-five to sixty dollars a month for your cell phone plan. So let's mm. let's let's flip that around and say that I'm going to get the cheapest usable phone that I can think of, which is a Pixel used on eBay. I can get that for $60. And that was last year. Today, it might actually be $50, right? Um, it might not come with a charger, but you know, most people have chargers lying around. It'll probably come with a cord, a charging cord with USB-A on one side. So that's probably the cheapest that you can get a decent uh, cell phone for. Um, and as to a plan, uh, I'm paying $10 a month for unlimited service. Mm, mm, mm. And, and that includes unlimited data, but there is a little asterisk to it. After mm. one gig of data, it drops down to 64K speed. Uh, one yeah. gig a month? Yeah. So one gig, one gig a month is LTE. And after mm, one gig, yeah. it, it drops down to unusable speeds, right? Yeah. <laughs> to compare, the cheapest plan in India, what Sohail mentioned as uh, the Geo which is Reliance, uh, it, it costs us $4 a month and we get mm. one gig a day as the, as the fair usage cap. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so in terms of, so that, that actually is what cost the, uh, th that is what led to a huge surge in, uh, in video consumption in India starting 2016. When this uh, when this program was launched, back then it was actually even cheaper. Back then it was two dollars a month. Now they've increased. Is that, the, is that based on five G or LTE? It's four G. Four G. Four G. LTE. Four G. Yeah. And and yeah, so that that's actually what's uh, caused this uh, humongous increase in uh, video consumption. Video consumption. Uh, yeah. TikTok was uh, India was the largest market for TikTok. For the longest time, till our government decided to ban it in India. Also, mobile is it's definitely cheaper than uh, wired internet. I mean, for 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 the gigabit that I have, that costs me uh, seventy dollars a month. But that includes everything. There's no I taxes on internet. Imagine, I can't even imagine surviving on one gigabyte a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's a gigabit. Uh, it's a gigabit speed service. No, no, okay. no. I meant on your. I meant on your phone. Uh, where you get a where you is get there a, a cap? Is there a cap said. on the bandwidth? bandwidth no, no, no. It's not a cap. It's not a cap. Okay, it's a cap speed. on LTE, right? So after the gigabit, after the gigabyte of uh, data, I still get uh, unlimited, right? At the slower speed. Actually, on that right? front, yeah. on that front, I'm, I'm sort of very happy with my country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on that well, front, the thing about but, it is that the four phones that I have on this plan are not yeah. even using the gigabit, none of us, because we're using Wi-Fi most of the time, right? We're, yeah. we're, uh, we're not using yeah. the gigabyte, most of us, because we're on Wi-Fi most of the time, and uh, so the carrier data is only when we go out, and uh, we don't go out that much because of COVID. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I, I did a whole job at Apple, 
where I was working. And I never went to an interview physically. I never went to the office for the whole thing. Somebody drove to my house and dropped off a laptop when I started. Yeah. You know, we, we should, Sohail, I, I would say maybe one of our next conversations could be around, uh, because this will happen a lot. And this is a very interesting point that I'm thinking about, because mm. as we start hiring for our company, you know, some discussions around best practices around remote work. Yeah, I, I think we can definitely do that. And how part. to sort of build a culture or be a part of a, uh, of a, of a company's culture while having joined remotely and never having met your co-workers or your bosses in person. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a very interesting very thought. Interesting. I, think, I think we should get somebody from the HR field the next time to talk about about you know how how they are coping up with this whole uh, you know keeping the culture intact in terms of in, in the times of the pandemic because it's yeah. a major issue because i myself i guess majority of us who whoever is working probably we have we might be working in the same in the same company for some time even before the pandemic but once the if you join a new company now you don't know anyone you are gonna you are you are in a silo uh, and probably you're conversing with like your boss and your your direct reportees, but apart from that, uh, uh, I guess you know you you do not get exposed to what the organization really is about. It's a fair point. It's a because uh, as an individual, probably yes, uh, you know you might be uh, have come up with a way of working individually, but number one, working in a team, and number two, working in a big team. You know, like an organization, how things have changed. That's a that's a that's a good good topic. I think we can definitely explore that. Cool. Uh, so I guess uh, you know we already uh, are one and one half fifteen minutes in. I think uh, you know we can probably stop the formal part of the water cooler conversation. Everybody else is happy to stick around and converse and network amongst themselves as well, uh, because this is a this is an open uh, open open field. Ayush. Uh, thanks a lot for your time and now you're a part of the builders club so you can uh, you know be uh, active in the community as well there are a lot of people who are asking you know asking for help advice uh, and you know in case you have any requirements or anything you want the help from the community then we are all happy to do so as well yeah. uh, no I, I, it was lovely this discussion was absolutely lovely so thanks a lot for inviting me and, uh, and and it was great to great to be a part of an interactive discussion that's that's always the best part yeah. and i, I yeah. look forward to engaging more with the builders club in the coming days thanks yeah. thanks a lot man thanks a lot ayush um anybody else has any anything to add i, I was going to plug the peer net <laughs> thanks guys thanks a lot yeah uh yes um, uh, the producer, sir, you had you had anything to say? So I'm going to plug the PeerNet. Uh, okay. I think we're very similar to you guys, but uh, based in the U.S. Okay. Okay. Um, we are starting out, so uh, we only have maybe 30 uh, people joined right now on our Discord. Okay. So is it is it like a startup community, or is it uh, what what was the what are the what's the community about? So it grew out of uh, T systems, and uh, the reachable CEO can uh, talk about that uh, part. Uh, oh, okay. So the, the two of us uh, joined the Builders Club uh, in part because we're new to Discord and we don't 
you know, we, we, do, we don't know what communities exist here. And your community looked very interesting to us because uh, you have done this longer than we have. Uh, so we're trying, to learn, we're trying to learn from you. Oh, okay. But that's, yeah, our, uh, our goal was to focus on uh, producing uh, podcasts for founders. So if you have a startup and you want to promote it, uh, we want to make it very easy for you to basically just join our, our voice channel in our Discord. We record it, publish it, um, and that's so that you can basically, if you send us a list of questions beforehand, we can you know interview you on air. You'll have a very friendly environment. And the idea is to basically have a, a podcast network that's exclusively for founders because oftentimes it's hard to convey your startup in writing and being able to be interviewed about it, I think, is a far better way to uh, explain it and so forth than trying to do articles and things. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, something very similar to what we are doing. We should definitely connect post this as well and discuss some more. Yeah, I look forward to that. Now, is it possible for uh, the producer? Of, is it possible for you to share the the Discord Thanks. link with? Yeah. You as a, yes, I as will share chat. it with the channel. I put, I'll put yeah. it in water cooler chat. Guys, I will. I'm sorry. I will take your leave. It's very late in Singapore. It's past two a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Thanks a lot, sir, oh. for joining in at one a.m. Amazing! Yeah. It was. It was great mm -hmm. to connect. Uh, I will. So, very good night. Take care, buddies. Uh, corona virus still there. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> let's let's just stay home a bit more. Bye bye. Take good. care. Take care. Bye. Cool one. I shall also take a leave. Uh, and Ayush, yeah, happy to stay back. Anybody else who has who wants to interact with Ayush is right there in Discord. You can DM him as well in case you have any other yep. further questions. Shan, thanks a lot, uh, all of you, for joining in. I hope any any kind of feedback or anything about the podcast or what do you wanna you know uh, any 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 suggestions for what we should do more is all uh, is all welcome. Thanks a lot. Uh, Ayush also for joining in. If you want to become a part of the water cooler conversation, you can join our Discord server. The link is down in the description and attend the next water cooler conversation. That was the episode. Hope you got some rich insights for your idea from this. If you like the episode, do share it with your friends and rate us on Spotify, Google Store and iTunes. If you want to join the Water Cooler Podcast Live, join the club at www.thebuildersclub.me Until next time, upwards and onwards.